0: The following is a recording of the Thomas Paine Unitarian Universalist Fellowship. We are located in Collegeville, Pennsylvania. We are also located on the web at www.tpuuf.org. Please come visit us. to Sunday worship at the Thomas Paine Unitarian Universalist Fellowship. We are a principle-based, liberal, welcoming faith community here in Collegeville, Pennsylvania on the web at tpuuf.org. And thanks to the generous gift of time, energy, and talent by people like John Sayre, our, our tech manager this morning, we are wherever you happen to be this Thanksgiving weekend. I'm Jerry Lazaro. I chair the worship committee here at the Fellowship. And on behalf of the fellowship and the and the uh, committee, I welcome you. As Carrie Newcomer said, there's room at the table for everyone, right? No matter where you're from, right? No matter who you are, whatever you must in conscience truly responsibly believe, however you identify or express your gender, whomever you love, we welcome you and invite you to worship with us this Sunday and every Sunday. You may have noticed that the title of this morning's service, let you use, or let us all be grateful for the gift of generosity, suggests a shift in the approach we often take in services acknowledging the Thanksgiving holiday. That is, we're not focusing on giving thanks for the gifts, plural of generosity, that is for what we receive, for what is given to us through the generosity of others, or from life itself. Instead, our service emphasizes giving thanks for the gift, singular, of generosity. That is for the will and the wherewithal we have to give to others, to cultivate in ourselves a generous spirit and to channel that generous spirit in acts of compassion and loving kindness. Now, we should always acknowledge that experiencing and expressing gratitude is Something that we should always recognize as a vital part of our physical, mental, and spiritual health. After all, giving thanks, as we know even from (laughs) empirical research, is life affirming and soul nourishing. It's a time tested, verified way to affirm and promote our third UU principle encouragement of spiritual growth in ourselves and in our congregations but the same benefits really derive from generosity. That is from what we give, as well as from what we receive. The quote from the great Christian mystic and humanitarian St. Francis of Assisi, right, uh, reminds us that in giving, we also receive. And the revered Italian poet, Gabriel D'Annunzio, declared, io quel che ho donato. It's fact it's carved in stone at the entrance to the Vittoriale degli Italiani, right? The Vittoriale is a sprawling complex of buildings, including a museum and a vast library and streets and squares and an open air theater and gardens and streams. And Denunzio had this great estate constructed after the first world war. And in 1930, he donated it to the state that is to the Italian people. And it translates, of course, I have what I have given. (laughs) Beth Roth seems to understand the meaning of those words and their implication for us. Roth is a nurse practitioner who teaches and publishes on subjects such as mindfulness and uh, stress-based, mindfulness stress-based reduction, excuse me. Uh, Recalling the message of the Buddha, she writes, the Buddha said, if you knew as I do the power of giving, You would not let a single meal pass without sharing some of it. Generosity is this this powerful for very good reason, Because, because it is characterized by the inner quality of letting go or relinquishing, it reverses the forces that create suffering. It is a profound antidote to the strong habits of clinging, grasping, guarding, and attachment that lead to so much pain and suffering. Generosity brings happiness at every stage of its expression. We experience joy in forming the intention to give. We experience joy in the action of giving. And we experience joy in remembering that we have given. Now, it may not always be joy in remembering, uh, as we'll hear later, but at least satisfaction that we made an effort. And very often, we've learned something from that experience. At any rate, Roth ends her tribute to the power of generosity by quoting Mahatma Gandhi, who once said, The fragrance remains in the hand that gives the rose. I love that. The fragrance remains in the hand that gives the rose. With that thought in mind, let's light our chalice. The chalice and the flame together form the symbol of our free faith. And as we light our chalice this morning, let's recite responsively words by UU minister, Reverend Suzelle Lynch. The flame we kindle in the chalice of faith holds blessings of warmth and light and light giving energy. It lights up our longings to connect and to share. May this warmth and light and light giving energy celebrate the blessings we have claimed. And as I light the peace lamp, please respond. May peace be with us. Thank you. Now, the choir of the First Unitarian Church of Baltimore, Maryland will lead us in singing hymn number 349 We Gather Together in Joyful Thanksgiving. If you would like to rise in body as well as in spirit, uh, please move to the backer side of the sanctuary, so you don't obstruct this view of the screen where the song lyrics will appear right, so we gather together. We do have a moment for all ages this morning. Um, If we have any uh, young folks who'd like to come forward this morning, invite them. Lucas, Logan, how about you guys? Matthew, now nobody's gonna, that's okay, that's okay. We don't have that, okay. Because it is a moment for all ages, of course. Hi, hi Anya, okay. All right, let's talk. You know, sometimes uh, we read a story. This is kind of like our own story here we're going to create, right? All right, a little bit. Okay. Um, We just celebrated what holiday? Thanksgiving, right? Okay. And um, what were you thankful for on Thanksgiving? Did you ever, did you think that day, gee, I really am grateful. I'm thankful for this. No. For the turkey, <laughs> for the stuffing, that's even better yet, right? Okay. Um, when were, so you were thankful, when was the last time you said thank you to someone? Do you remember? You guys out there should be thinking this too, by the way. Do you remember? Was it something someone gave you, like a present, or was it just for something someone said or something or did? They said. Do you remember what it was? At all? I hold it for someone. What was that? I hold it
1: for someone. Okay. <laughs> all right.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. And so you were grateful for that. Right. And you wanted to say thank you. Right. Okay. Um, so when you think about it, all right, what are some things that you've done that people have thanked you for? <laughs> Holding the door for someone, yeah, okay. Helping um, breakfast, bre- cooking breakfast, <laughs> helping with breakfast, what, yeah, that kind of thing. All those kinds of things, right? Because there's something about gratitude that is being grateful for things. Is really, the, the best way to show gratitude. Um, this, this is a. a a quote from a Swiss poet and philosopher, who you never heard of, I'm sure. But he said, thankfulness, that is being thankful, right, is the beginning of gratitude. Gratitude is the completion of thankfulness. That is, how do we follow through on being thankful? And that may consist merely of words, no, no, no. Gratitude is shown in acts, in what we do and what we say. That's how we really express things, right? And in keeping with that, there's a project that we're involved in right now as, as a fellowship. And Joanne Walker is going to remind us about it, right? Uh, you want to speak from there, from the pulpit? The pulpit, OK. And that tree over there reminds us of that project. Do you remember that? what that's all about? <laughs> Donating what? <laughs> yes yeah of and she'll tell them
2: okay so how's that okay so we're going to um run a, a collection this month all coming up in december until right after new year's and we're going to collect hats and scarves and gloves and new socks Okay, because you don't want to give somebody your old ratty socks. Okay. <laughs> All right. So we're gonna give kids once to an organization called Cradles to Crowns. And Cradles to Crowns is a, a group of people who have served served over one million children in our area. And there are because Philadelphia and the areas around it are the poorest. Of all of the big cities in the whole country,
1: so there are one,
2: one, billion, that in the one million. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so there are over 300,000 children who in our region who live in poverty. That means when they get when it gets cold, they don't have a closet that they can go to and get gloves and a hat. To keep them warm when they're outside okay so this organization collects all of these things and they give it to children from the age of newborn babies all the way up to age 12 and when they give them something they also give them a book because they they've they foster the idea of reading okay reading is good right so that's where we're going to give our kids stuff and we're also gonna collect stuff for grown ups. And we're gonna give those to a, a place called Better Days Ahead Outreach, which is based in Phoenixville and covers all kinds of places around here, like Pottstown and Norristown, and even Kensington in Philadelphia, which is one of the poorer areas of Philadelphia. And they collect clothing and food and survival gear. Uh, directly to and give them to the people who are who don't have homes or people who are especially um, at risk do you know what that means what does it mean in danger and is the cold dangerous yes so we're going to and we're going to collect these things and then I'm going to take them to both of those places and give them and they're going to be able to give them out we're going to do it in January because A lot of things come in in December so we're going to collect all through December and then we're going to give the stuff in January when everything is kind of all their supplies are down lower okay. So if you bring something in feel free to take an ornament off of the tree and take it home, there are some Phillies ones on there, everything that is on that tree pretty much came from a thrift shop that uh, supports other nonprofits. Uh, a few things came from the dollar store, because I couldn't find them at the thrift shop. Um, so there's bags at the bottom of each that tell you um, which, you know, which bags for adults, so I don't have to sort. Um, trying to make it a little easier. And feel free to take an ornament at home, and so you can remember what you gave, and that you were, you know, you were helping somebody. And that'll make you feel good. Okay?
0: Sounds good. All right, thanks. I just. Just before we go, I want to remind that giving doesn't involve necessarily something like a pair of socks or a scarf or whatever, no. It means giving people encouragement, right? What else could you? A compliment, like you are looking particularly well this morning, my dear. And Logan, it's always such a pleasure to see you, buddy. I love your smiling face, even when it's not smiling. Now it's smiling, that's better, okay, all right. So what are some things that we can give others that don't even involve buying something or whatever? Giving them a compliment, saying thank you, giving their time, yeah, offering time. Sometimes just being with people, just being there with them is a gift, right? To spend time on how his how many times you've heard someone say gee i wish we could spend more time together right well so spending time together then would be a gift to that person right okay well we can think about these things all of us <laughs> in in uh and around the thanksgiving holiday and throughout the entire holiday season and throughout the whole year right yeah not just around thanksgiving okay with that let's let's uh sing our folks off to their classes Go now in peace, go now in peace. May the spirit of love surround you. Everywhere, everywhere, you may go. In a few minutes, uh, we'll hear from two members of our fellowship, who relate how they experienced the gift of generosity. And um, before I wanna just offer a little bit of a, kind of a context in which to put this, right? Almost all religious traditions stress the idea of giving, of generosity. And not just, as I said, in terms of some kind of physical gift of money uh, or whatever, or like uh, Gabriel D'Annunzio donating this grand estate uh, to the people of Italy, right? In Romans um, chapter 12, verse eight, it says, if your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take that responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. The, the idea that there's a whole range of, of acts that actually demonstrate our generous spirit, our spirit of generosity. And if you recall in the description of today's service, uh, there was a quote from His Holiness the Dalai Lama. Generosity, writes His Holiness the Dalai Lama, is the natural outward expression of an inner attitude of compassion and loving kindness. It's a natural outward expression of something inside an attitude of compassion and loving kindness. And do recall Gandhi's beautiful figurative expression of the gift of generosity, the fragrance remains in the hand that gives the rose. And acts of generosity obviously don't have to be grand gestures, even small acts can reap abundant benefits. Um, When you give not expecting anything in return, you create a powerful social connection. My mother was, Sometimes I, I wish she hadn't been so insistent on this, but she said, don't do something with the idea that you're gonna get something back. And I don't know if that was just her maternal instinct to prevent her children from being disappointed <laughs> or whether it was a whole life stance, but whatever it was, I, I couldn't count the number of times when she would say that. And uh, sometimes if, if my father would say, why did you do that for so-and-so? You know, And she said, no, I, I, because I did it, because I thought it was the right thing to do. You know. And she didn't get anything in, in return for it. <laughs> in fact, I remember the one time, my mother was an incredible baker, and um, she would give food, she would give, she would bake these wonderful cakes, pies, cookies, and give them away like crazy, right? And this neighbor just loved this cake once and asked my mother for the recipe. And so my mother gave it to her. Well, it didn't turn out the way my mother's cake had turned out, right? And she accused my mother of not having given her the real recipe, right? Of course, one of the things that happened was, of course, the woman had substituted a number of ingredients. Uh, For instance, uh, vegetable shortening for butter, you know, and so forth, which uh, make a big difference in how that thing tasted, you know, that kind of thing, right? But she never held it against her. (laughs) Uh, So when you give freely without experiencing anything in return, you create a powerful social connection. You're not only enriching someone else's life, but also enhancing your own mental and physical health. Uh, There's a whole list of things that comes about with that. The benefits in life associated with generosity extend from uh, the immediate joy that comes from altruistic action. They build communities, reinforce our interdependence. Um, And in fact, the Good Science Center at uh, UC Berkeley Found that practicing generosity can significantly enhance our lives. Regular practitioners of generosity not only enjoy a heightened sense of happiness, but also typically have longer lifespans and an enriched sense of well being. The impact of giving, it seems, extends far beyond the act itself, bringing a myriad of blessings, mitzvahs, into our lives. Right? So. And to deepen that practice, it's important not only to give, but also to give gladly, you know, <laughs> to rejoice in giving. But that path is not always an easy one to walk, right? It takes a lot of fortitude, sometimes a whole lot of patience and forgiveness, and a massive dose of selflessness, not to mention the pitfalls of giving the wrong thing at the wrong time, <laughs> right? or giving to the point that we drain the energy and time we need to show self compassion and self healing. But with that in mind, then um, I'm going to ask Karen McCann to come up and share with us her thoughts on the gift of generosity, Karen.
3: definition that I took on generosity is freedom from pettiness in character and mind. I was a single mom raising my daughter, Jessica. She went to a daycare where I met Joe, who was raising his three children, Jason, Katie and Jeanette. Their mother had left the house when the kids were seven, three and one year old. This was two years later now, and our little girls were three. Katie was five, and Jason was nine. Joe and I dated and built a home since neither of our homes were large enough for the six of us plus two hunting dogs. We married and became a blended family. I can't say that either of our families were in favor of this, but as I explained to my family, i felt these children needed me i don't want you to think that i'm looking for medals or a crown to wear this job as second mom was hard joe's two girls sometimes resented me they really couldn't help it i was not their biological mom they appreciated what i did and how i felt but of course it wasn't the same I went to the library and took out every book they had on blended families. There weren't that many back then. I never tried to be their only mom, and they visited their birth mom when she returned to the area. Joe wanted his children to understand who their birth mom really was, and he thought this was the best way to accomplish that. They had to see it for themselves. I used to grocery shop with all four children with me this grew to be very difficult, so I ended up shopping each week with only one child this allowed for a really good one on one time with each of them, rather than lumping them all together. We looked forward to these shopping trips. I set up a mealtime list on the fridge with categories, allowing each child to choose a meal they wanted on a certain day. If they did not choose a vegetable or a fruit, we would fill that line in for them. This allowed them to have some say in what was going to be done for dinner, and they were proud to write in their choices. I would then purchase the special menu night with the other groceries and they loved seeing that I had gotten it for them. Both Joe and I worked and we took turns at home when one of the kids was sick when they were all sick we both stayed home and did what needed to be done evenings were filled with scout meetings t-ball then soccer then softball gymnastics for the girls special olympic sports for jason homework for all four for all four which usually included some specialized homework help for jason the occasional tv show baths and bedtime routines Then we'd clean up the dinner dishes and pack lunches for the next day and fall into bed. Buying lunches was just too much for our budget. Packing a healthy lunch was more economical, so we packed six lunches. As the children grew up, the girls quickly surpassed their older brother, who has Down syndrome. They learned to drive, he did not. They dated, went off to college, married and left our home jason did not we divorced after 18 years jason is still with us spending alternate weeks at each of our homes we've dealt with addiction bad boyfriends broken curfews car accidents you name it we had four teenagers at the same time each of our three children grew to understand what birth mom was all about And there is no communication between them today you may think i was generous it was very hard for me to remain free from pettiness in character and mind when dealing with an unstable birth mom who was completely selfish and self-centered i did the best i could i bit my tongue as much as possible since anything i would have to say about birth mom would only reflect on these three children. I tried to be kind. I tried to be nice. I gave to my children my time and as much of myself as I could. Yes, I thought about leaving this scene a couple of times, but realized that would be the wrong thing to do. These children needed a second mom and things would get better. Once when I was very down because of the stress of bills not paid and these children needing so much, the four of them appeared at my desk, showing me poems they had written for me. I cried. My biological daughter helped these three children a lot too. She's kind and caring and had a good sense of how to always treat them with love and respect. Today, our children are happy and healthy, successful adults. The addiction has been dealt with. The marriages are intact i have grandchildren our son is engaged to another adult with special needs my children have supported me when i have needed it through numerous eye surgeries replacement of both knees the deaths of my parents and a brother and a car accident they check in with me and each has told me they have a place in their home for me if i want to live with them i don't They put special messages in my birthday and Mother's Day cards all meant from their hearts. The generosity I showed them has returned to me 10 times over. They each show me in their individual way what it means to be generous. My oldest daughter Katie, her husband and my grandson, recently took in a foster child who they intend to adopt. Jasir is the same age as my grandson, Mason, 12 years old. He's had a horrible life and has visited my daughter's home a lot this year. He has some special needs also, and this family is a good situation for him. Katie recently stopped me as I was leaving her house, and she told me that I saved her life many years ago and and that I taught her and her husband that you don't have to be blood related to be family, and she wants to pass this forward to Jasir. I hugged her, got in my car, and cried on the way home. This meant a lot to me. Generosity is giving of yourself, whether it's time and or money, it is giving. And my children are now giving back to me and it's the best most wonderful feeling. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And isn't the sanctuary beautiful? It's so lovely this morning. And now I'd like to introduce Gina Mastunjeli.
4: though I'm not in the same cat. I'm gonna, John, thank you. I'm gonna, I I don't want the podium between us because I'm just gonna talk with you. Can you hear me? Okay, they can hear me. Okay, thank you. Um, Actually, I agreed sort of last minute to help Jerry out with this morning's program for a really selfish reason. I wanted to show off my Italian, cool Italian boots. actually that was a last minute uh attempt for fun but at the this topic this morning um the reciprocal benefit of generosity intrigues me and it just opens up a lot of questions all stemming from personal experiences so therefore for me taking time to talk helps me clarify what it is i actually think so some of the questions that flood my mind. Let me read some of them. You know, what, are, what about those times when our good deeds go awry? You know, are our good tensions enough? You know, it's really easy for me to be generous spirited, you know, when my life is going well. But what about the times when I'm miserable and life feels unbearable? How can I extend kindness to a person who has hurt, maligned, or hates me? And when I give, do I need to feel good or receive something in return? Finally, you know what actually motivates me to be generous spirited? So I can't tackle all these questions, I have lots of personal experiences, and this is a short time, but what I'm gonna do is tell you about an experience in my life when I chose not to be generous-spirited, because this will touch upon some of these questions. Okay, it's my second year in graduate school, and an exceedingly bright student enrolled in our program. I'll call her Lisa. I need a name. Okay. She was an excellent student, and she was able to logically construct mathematical proofs to some very complex mathematical problems. But on the other hand, her behavior was deplorable. Uh, She laced her conversation with insensitive, mean comments and jabs that really aimed to undermine the other graduate students. And actually I found out about a lie she told a faculty member about me, so you can guess what happened you know slowly, you know she alienated the small group of graduate students and despite all our efforts to bring her into the fold. And then, for some reason Lisa attacked me the most ferociously. And I, of course, stood my ground and that's another story. And I had an adjunct professor friend, and she counseled me, stay away from her. You know, she, she looks like a mean motor scooter, tough street fighter. Okay, so one morning we, meaning the graduate students and I were in class waiting for the professor to arrive. And there was another, uh, Lisa said something to another student looked at her, turned away, very snottily, turned away and faced us and joined our conversations. And I saw the hurt look on Lisa's face and my instinct was to get up, walk over to her, sit down and talk with her. But I was really consumed with my own hurt from her spiteful behavior. And I told myself, just ignore her. You know, she, she's been really hateful. You know, let's, she deserves to be hurt. Okay, so as time went on, her hurt face just haunted me. I began to, to wonder about her background, who is she? And I recalled the conversation we had about Louise Erdisch, Louise, and that she said that she couldn't read her books. Louise Erdrich is a Native American who writes about life on the reservation. There is, and Lisa had said, "Oh, the scene the, with the cigarettes and the ashtrays and all that—I—I I, I can't go there." And she left it at that. She didn't elaborate. And then I came across a brochure that was pinned to one of the wall, a wall in some graduate school building. And it was a brochure that advertised support groups for victims of child abuse. And among the leaders was listed Lisa. And then my logical analytical mind went click, 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 click. Lisa had had a tough childhood. And what was happening, my conjecture, is that all her negative terrible experiences that she had suffered were leaking out toward all of us. So it was some time after, not there, you know, and that hurt face was still haunting me. And I just made a vow to myself that if I saw hurt, I wasn't going to ignore it. I was not going to close my heart when I witnessed some hurt, because in my life, people had shown me compassion when I didn't deserve it. I could do the same for others. And yet, you know, when I'm in a miserable place in my life, I still find it easy, not easy, to radiate compassion, love, kindness. Now, that's not really where I'm feeling at. But for me, and this is what I do, the route is through gratitude. And to find it, and this is my little technique, what I do is I step outside my day to day emotions and I view my life from um, a, a zoomed out perspective so I can sort of see everything, how everything is connected in my life. And you know, from that vantage point, I'm really better able uh, to see how lucky and fortunate I've been just by the, in, my inherited DNA, my so-called easy middle-class life in the United States, and my encounters with a lot of people who have extended small and large kindnesses. To me, that have made a difference in my life's journey. So it's it's that gratitude that will open my the door to my heart that releases some sort of inner strength. But, you know, I still ask myself, well, why do I really care? You know, bestowing kindness does not change my life situation, or it does not. When I'm miserable, I'm miserable, and it doesn't lift me out of my mood, and it doesn't give me that little glow of happiness. So, but what it does do, and this is for me, it helps me cling to the very small probability that a chain reaction of kindness will occur. Yeah, I live in Kumbaya. (laughs) And, you know, and especially in my moments of despair, I really need to cling to that belief that there is some good in the world. It helps me to keep on moving and going. But, but, okay, this is not the end of the story. There's more to this, you know? So let me continue my story with Lisa. You know, Lisa, the nasty graduate student. um, She decided to leave graduate school in mathematics. And before she left, I marched into her office determined to mend our differences. And we began talking, and she told me that her husband had complained that regarding mathematics, she was an an idiot savant. She could do it, but she didn't understand anything. As she continued to tell me, she says, yeah, I can piece all, everything together, but it means nothing to me. And I was absolutely thunderstruck. And then her next statement nearly knocked me onto the floor, she said, i was intimidated by you because you do mathematics like the good mathematicians and i thought she's intimidated by me i'm intimidated by her with her nimble uh logical skills i just um and what had happened between us, the two of us were so caught up in our own feelings of inadequacy that we had built a really big, strong, wide wall of defense. Furthermore, because that wall was tall, wide, thick, I couldn't even see her and who she was. And, because i was so concerned about me and what i could not do i could not even see my own strengths so what i do you know to to practice that generosity of spirit and to feel some compassion for others what i began to realize is that i needed to be kind to me and generous spirited with me. So you know what I do, you know, in times when I really don't feel good and I'm being, I'm overwhelmed with distress, sorrow, disappointment, whatever, you name it, I'm there. Um, I take some time, I reach inside myself and I nurse myself. I take an honest look at me, my strengths, my weaknesses, and my limitations. I let myself feel gratitude for my strengths. As far as my limitations, that's an opportunity to grow. And I also recall, with gratitude, I bring up these memories of the chance encounters that I've had with people who have had hardships in their lives, and through those hardships that they do good, or they might write something inspirational or say something to open a refreshing viewpoint perspective. And you know, my situation doesn't really change, but, Loving and caring for myself, being kind to myself, what it does, it it enables me to embrace my shadow and nurture my light, my light that keeps my hope alive. And then I just wrote last minute in purple, if I can even read it. Um, But from that position of inner strength, and you know, i'm just really better able to turn my attentions from me look outward see people maybe feel their pain a little bit more and give so thanks that's it <laughs>
0: We've come to that uh, part of the service. Uh, Each week, we ask those among us who are experiencing a joy that's lifting their spirit up or a sorrow or concern that's weighing their spirit down, if they would like to share that experience with us. And um, uh, after a brief musical meditation, which I wanted to make a comment about that, um, it's a song called Prayer Shaw, which was composed by our own Christine Winchester Perry. And uh, the reason I selected that uh, was that she wrote this after being gifted by members of this fellowship with a prayer shawl when she was going through a very difficult period in her life. And uh, out of gratitude for for that unexpected gift, uh, she she composed the song. Uh, This is just the instrumental part of it. Uh, (laughs) And I just want to say this. uh, Every time I do a shared pulpit kind of service, there's always some Anxiety. I wonder how it's going to go. I wonder if it, what, what will happen. And every time, I have to say one thing that I'm so thankful for is that when I ask people in this congregation to to participate, to come forth and offer something, they do so, and the way they do it is just so life affirming for me, and 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 so uplifting to me. The things that that that, that they share, and I think that uh, sharing is is so much an aspect of their generosity of spirit, and and I receive it as such. Uh, John, you want to play that meditation, and afterwards we'll open the mic up.
2: Okay, at this time, if anybody would like to share
1: a joy that's lifting them up or a sorrow that's weighing them down. We will bring this time of sharing
4: to a close by singing Spirit of Life. The uh, lyrics will show up on screen here in just a second.
0: with closing words uh, by Jack Kornfield uh, he was trained as a Buddhist monk in Thailand India and Myanmar which used to be Burma if you remember those of us who are old enough right he holds a PhD in clinical psychology and has been a prominent figure in bringing Buddhist teachings and mindfulness meditation to an American audience he, he writes we all have without exception a very deep longing to give, to give to the earth, to give to others, to give to the society, to work, to love, to care for this earth. And so there's a tremendous sorrow for a human being who doesn't find a way to give. One of the worst of human sufferings is not to find a way to love or a place to work and give of your heart and your being. And that quotes a perfect introduction to our closing song this morning. It reminds us to give thanks and praise for all that is our life, for services we give as well as for needs which others serve. Reminds us that we are bound in covenant to use our lives to build the common good as well as to make our own days glad. So please join in singing hymn number 128, For All That Is Our Life. Uh, We turn again to the choir and accompanist of the First Unitarian Church of Baltimore to lead us. The words will be on the screen. Uh, And you'll note that the director is in the bottom right-hand corner there, because this song has a lot of extended notes and rests That is times when we're not singing. And he's going to show us when to stop and when to start, which is very helpful. Okay. Hymn number 128, For All That Is Our Life. We extinguish our chalice this morning. Let's resolve to cultivate in ourselves a generous spirit, to work to make room at the table for everyone, to realize that gratitude is acting with compassion and with loving kindness. And that light of truth we take with us into the world to share with those whose lives we touch and whose lives touch our own. So please remain with us uh, for important announcements regarding programs and activities here at the fellowship. Also, if you like, we have a postlude song called Generosity.